right, Nico, can you say welcome to another episode of Healthy Births, Happy Babies? It's a happy episode. Um, happy babies. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Healthy Births, Happy Babies. I'm Dr. Jay Warren. I'm the prenatal and pediatric chiropractor here at the CAP Wellness Center. And if you're a brand new listener or if you're a uh, long-time listener, you should know that this podcast is all about pregnancy, birth, postpartum care, and the kiddos because you know, really what I'm about is I want to help women specifically to have proactively healthy pregnancies so they're more likely to have a natural, gentle, unmedicated birth. And we want to support new families by providing drug-free healthcare, positive parenting techniques, and empowering education platform for those kiddos so they'll have every opportunity to grow and develop into the fullest expression of who they came here to be. And this podcast, hopefully, is a tool you're using as a parent to help your kiddo do that. And today's episode is really about a subject we've never uh, broached on the podcast before. I think it's a really important topic um, for a lot of women out there, and hopefully it sheds some light and uh, gives support to plus-size pregnancy. Uh, it's something there's a lot of stigma around it. There's a lot of myths around um, the risks involved, and the, my guests today, Bianca and Natasha, they have a really strong program in this and teach a lot about plus size pregnancy. So they're going to tell us about, you know, the flawed BMI scaling and how that can really prompt a healthcare provider to just automatically put a plus size mom or plus size woman um, who's pregnant into a high risk category that might not necessarily um, be the right place for her. And just a lot of body image and body shaming issues that a plus size pregnant woman might have to deal with during the pregnancy and want support in. So they're here today to shed more light on that and give you the support so you can have an amazingly healthy pregnancy, an amazing birth, and launch right into parenthood uh, with that kiddo in a really positive, empowered way. So before we switch over to that conversation, though, as always, I want to take a moment to take a word from our sponsor, the Cap Wellness Center. Hi, I'm Marin Higa, and I'm the acupuncturist at Cap Wellness Center. One of the things I love about working at Cap Wellness Center is getting to be around all the brave, strong, and inspiring women. I'm always inspired by my patients' ability to rise to their challenges, overcome obstacles, and also get creative in their pursuit towards their health goals. I feel honored to be a part of their journey, whether it's helping them to start a family, have a healthy pregnancy, or helping them through their postpartum recovery. All right, let me introduce our guests, and then we can switch over to our conversation. Bianca and Natasha are the founders of Bibomia, a training and mentorship organization for women in the maternal health field. They serve pregnancy and birth professionals, birth educators, and parenting specialists. They offer comprehensive skills, business support, and community care through an innovative online structure that spans a global market. They originally only offer trainings in Toronto, Canada, but now they've moved their trainings online, and Bibomia remains fiercely committed to their original mission that was developed in 2008, to connect women to their intrinsic value and power. So with that, let me switch over to my conversation with Bianca and Natasha. All right, Bianca and Natasha, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? 
We're great. We're Thanks good. for having us. Good. Well, I'm glad to have you here. This is a really important topic. We've never talked about it on the Healthy Births Happy Baby um, podcast before. So I'm glad you reached out to, you know, share your expertise on um, plus size pregnancy and the self image issues around it. Um, but before we jump into that, um, I read your bio at the top of the episode, obviously, but share a little more context about how you two found each other and started a business, started working together, um, and then we'll jump in. Well, it's a really lovely love story. <laughs> um, <laughs> Natasha and I both sat on a board of directors in Toronto here for doulas, and we carpooled a lot, and we started dreaming up a place where families could go in Toronto to get all their support around fertility, pregnancy, and parenting, because um, it didn't exist at the time. Um, and it came into fruition, and Babel Mia was born almost 10 years ago. And then um, Natasha moved away. Her husband got transferred, so she had to move to the West Coast. So we took our business and moved it exclusively online. Um, but rather than serving families, which was the community we had been serving, um, we started serving practitioners. Um, so we were offering uh, training and um, doula training and breastfeeding support and mentorship mentorship and business courses all online. And it just it grew exponentially, like faster than it had the previous seven years being a brick and mortar here in the city. Um, so we have the absolute joy of, of teaching women all over the world. Uh, to support them with their birth and, and pregnancy and parenting businesses. Nice. And Natasha, you're back in Toronto now? I am. I actually only, for the <laughs> amount of work it took us to change our business um, so dramatically, I was only there for a year. <laughs> and then I came back. <laughs> but it was great. It was a, it was a big um, learning experience for us and a big challenge for us, which we always like. And um we absolutely love doing what we do for a business, and we actually surprisingly love doing it online. Um, we get to reach more people and people who otherwise wouldn't have access to learning how to support um, pregnancy and birth and, and postpartum. So we're really happy with how it turned out, even though it was really sad at the time that I had to leave. Um, it was a blessing in disguise. Right. Well, the blessing allowed all of this to be put out online so more people could be reached, as you said. That's fantastic. And looking at all of the resources you have, there's so many different areas that you can help this community in. And, um, but let's talk specifically today about um, you know, plus-size pregnancy and the, the myths and the, the real truths about it and the issues that a woman might be um, either suffering with or being subjected to now or prompt them so they can help navigate that. So in what's the major uh, challenge, if you'd say, or the major issue that comes up for a woman when they first find out they're pregnant um, dealing with this issue? I think there's a few um, that we can talk about. One of the big things is that absolutely for sure women who are plus size are being treated differently during their pregnancy and their birth than um, someone of, I would say, quote unquote, normal size, right? Or a size that people perceive to be healthy. Um, so they're being treated much differently. And this is something that we're kind of hoping that we can raise awareness of and make sure that women go into their birth um, as plus size, that they're treated equally to every other size body. And so they don't feel, you know, shame or or any of those icky feelings around their own body and their birth, because quite frankly, in our society, we've, we're already felt, we already feel that way about our bodies, regardless of size, right? And it's not something you need to, to hear through a whole pregnancy and then bring into you with your birth. 
Um, so I think that's the biggest thing is that um, women of plus size are being treated differently during their pregnancy and and it the outcome in their birth really does matter. Like the way you're treated during your pregnancy does impact your outcome during your birth and we don't really want that. Right. And, and we now know that there's so much connection between a woman's birth experience and her parenting experience. Um, so you know, if there was trauma or if there was disappointment or if it didn't go that the way that she had always imagined, um, then, you know, she's already kind of like a couple steps behind from people who did have a more positive outcome. And unfortunately, a lot of plus size pregnant women walk into their um, healthcare provider's office and they're already at a disadvantage just from like a, a look over, right? Um, so the, their practitioner has already decided that it's probably going to be a highly medica medicalized birth with, you know, an, an uh, induction and a C-section and like, you know. Any of the above. Any of the above, <laughs> um, which are all fine if that's part of somebody's plan. But not everybody who's plus size wants to have a C-section. And they're, um, for the most part, treated as if that's going to be their final outcome. Right, because yeah. I think in the way what you're talking about being treated differently, there's being treated differently by their healthcare provider, and then there's also being treated differently socially as what well, like just out and about during the pregnancy and the like. And I think both are really important. I want to talk about that, but uh, you have a lot of information around, you know, like BMI records and and just things that are true about okay, if you're plus size. Um, these are risks, these are not risks. And I think that's important for a woman to know about now. So can you share some of that information? Absolutely. Um, so one of the most common ways that we're putting people into kind of buckets of where they are as far as healthy, um, it, you know, quote unquote healthy, is the BMI scale. So women who are 30 and above on the BMI scale are seen as obese. Um, and so that is a care provider. If the woman is 30 or above on the BMI scale um, and seen as obese, she might just be looked at as a high risk person no matter what. Um, she's automatically been put in a high risk category or automatically been put in an unhealthy category where BMI is, it's not really um, a diagnostic measure of how healthy someone is. It's a like a deeply flawed chart um, for many reasons. So if somebody is a bodybuilder and they have a lot of muscle mass, they'll be seen as obese on the BMI chart, even though they're quite healthy. Um, someone like me who's five feet tall <laughs> um, and I, I'm five feet tall, I gain weight very easily. And so I'm seen as obese on the BMI scale, but I'm I consider myself a, a really healthy person. I exercise daily. I eat really well. I make my own food, um, but I'm still on the obese scale. So, or on the in the obese bucket. Um, so it's deeply flawed, and it doesn't really determine how healthy someone is. As a sole um, a sole point of reference, right? It's like one of many that could be used. Like just because the BMI is high doesn't mean that you're healthy. You look at blood pressure, you look at exercise, diet, nutrition, all those kind of things. I think that's a really important um, component to, or, or not component, but issue that you just brought up of like just having that number be a certain way doesn't put you into that bucket. But what, so for women that might be uh, like over 30 on the BMI, what are the things that are healthcare provider or birth providers telling them that makes them high risk? Like what, what is a healthcare provider 
think that by being overweight um, is going to, what risks would that um, indicate well, for the biggest, birth? Yeah, the biggest one would be um, gestational diabetes is one thing. So a lot of healthcare providers might just assume somebody's in the obese category, um, that they're going to have gestational diabetes, and this is absolutely going to be a complication. When we know um, gestational diabetes can happen to any size body, it doesn't just happen to plus size pregnancies. So this is really important to note. Um, there's a small fraction of the population that have gestational diabetes. Around half of them are on the obese and higher in the scale, but it doesn't mean that necessarily you're going to have gestational diabetes. So that's really important to note. And one thing you should be aware of is if you're talking to a healthcare provider or interviewing healthcare providers, if they're talking to you as if you're going to have gestational diabetes, they might not be the right person for you because um, you still have a really high percentage of not having gest gestational diabetes. And if they're, if they're spending their time talking with you about eating, you know, high nutrient or high nutrient dense food, sorry, and going for walks every day and reducing your risk of gestational diabetes, that's a better way to go about it rather than just saying, oh, you're just going to have gestational diabetes. Let's plan for that. Um, so you want a healthcare provider that's going to work with you to create changes in your pregnancy, just like any size body would. Um, you know, everybody, when they find out they're pregnant, want to do better and want to do better things and they start doing prenatal yoga and they start eating better and that should be no different than someone who's in the plus size category right and in the same way that any woman would want to interview their birth provider if they're already talking about scheduling c-sections or other interventions that aren't part of your what you want for your own birth regardless if you're plus size or not then those are you know indicators you should start looking for another provider but having a provider as you were saying bianca like that then allows the entire pregnancy to go on where you have a team that's supporting you and then also that birth to go the way that you want to. And then, as we all know, birth can go sideways and it goes differently than plan A, you know? So, but if it is um, something we have a team that's really empowering you to have it the way you want to go, then that birth outcome is going to allow your parenting experience to launch um, in a much different way than if uh, you're constantly being put down or put into a box. Yeah, that is true. And I mean, in the US, because of the differences in our medical system from from the States to Canada, um, you do have more of an interview process in in the US versus in Canada, you're assigned your healthcare provider. Um, is that right? I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. You can still you can still change. But typically you like, you know, you get into a practice and that's kind of where you are. Yeah. Uh, and then most people don't change or they don't know they can change until it's, you know, kind of too late, um, which is another thing we really like to talk about is if your healthcare provider is not supporting your choices and what you want for your birth, um, you know, right. talking in absolutes <laughs> like this is going to happen because of this, um, then then you do have the right and the ability to switch. But most people don't here in Canada. And unfortunately, when somebody walks in who's a plus size um, pregnant person, that they would automatically like most of the time automatically be directed to a high risk practitioner um, that does focus on plus size women um, so like immediately that's from your 12 week appointment you've now been just sent into a high risk um, category and unfortunately it means you have an OB versus a midwife most of the time and you're going to be you know Put through way more testing and and it's going to be posed in a way that's not an option so midwives here in canada as well as the us 
they like say, would you like to have this? Like you don't have to do anything. Um, but they're net, it's never positioned like that with an OB here in, in Canada. It's like, this is the test this week and you need to be there to get it done versus if you would like to, you can get your gestational diabetes test done or you can get this ultrasound. Um, it's, it's a statement versus a question. So a lot of women, they just like, they're already in this high risk shoot and they just kind of get, you know, bounced along down this, you know, path where they don't really have a lot of agency over what's happening. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that's really important that people need to know before they start talking with healthcare providers is that especially with women who are plus size is that this is the time you start, you need to advocate for yourself. You need to know um, the truth about what's out there. Like what are the risks of gestational diabetes? What are the, what are the risks of cesarean and make sure that you know that this being plus size doesn't automatically mean a poor outcome at birth. You know, like there's tons of plus size women that have very positive birth experiences. And if that's something you want, um, then you need to advocate for yourself. You're going to need to go in right away, ask the really scary, difficult questions like, you know, my birth plan is this. Mm-hmm. Can you support that? You know, what does my weight, how does my weight change your okay. care? Or yeah. my care, my care that you give me, you know, is the language that healthcare provider using, is it is it building you up and giving you confidence as you move into your birth? Or is it shaming you and making you feel just like a number and not like a real person? So these are all things you need to be looking out for when you start talking with a healthcare provider, because that your birth team is going to be the most important thing if you want a specific or you're working towards um, a positive outcome, like whatever that means to you. Yeah. And I think um, I'll share this story that we were talking about last week when we were um, chatting before um, setting up the podcast. There was a woman that was here at Cap Wellness that was a plus-size mom. It was her third baby going for a VBAC uh, with Dr. Cap. And Dr. Cap and I were working with her just, as you said, to be healthy. You know, let's get moving. Let's do this and everything. And everything was checking out really great in her pregnancy. Um, She lived really far away from um, the birth hospital. And so when she started into labor, she and her husband drove in the middle of the night, found a hotel room, and we're going to labor there as long as possible um, before they went to the hospital. And she actually had the baby in the hotel. She, <laughs> so awesome. uh, her husband texted Dr. Cap and said, hey, we're starting. We're here. Um, we'll give you a call when things progress. And an hour later, he said, uh, we had the baby. Paramedics <laughs> are on the way. We're just going to go. And the baby was super healthy. Mama did awesome. It was just a really awesome birth. They kind of had their home birth in a hotel room. Uh, (laughs) They didn't need the hospital. Um, And it was just a great example of how she was supported all the way throughout her pregnancy to be healthy and to rock the birth and to have just a a fantastic experience. And that's that's possible for everyone. Absolutely. And I'm I'm 100 percent sure that having the proper not the proper, but the uh, a healthcare provider that fits for you, that's right for you, makes all the difference because another, a different healthcare provider could have come at that and said, you know what, you're, you're this in the BMI scale that, that lowers your chances of having a VBAC that, you know, that usually it slower, it slows down your labor, like all these things they could have said, but instead they chose to support her and this is the outcome, Right. Right. And one of the the issues, though, that she did deal with during the pregnancy was that of, you know, body image. At being plus size, she 
she she confided that she didn't get to enjoy the reactions from people in public or family of like, oh my gosh, like you're looking pregnant, you look so cute, your belly and everything. And she she was plus size in her previous um, pregnancies, so it wasn't brand new to her. But that was something that she wasn't necessarily shamed, um, but there was that aspect of just looking differently during the pregnancy than um, non-plus size women. And so how do you work with women around that? Or what do you, what do you advise women around that issue? This is a tough one um, because everybody feels differently about their own body. Um, and so it, and is really challenging number one because there's so many um discomforts that come along with being pregnant and if no one knows you're pregnant no one's very sympathetic of of that um but also the idea that you want to have this like like <laughs> it's so funny because in the media people who are pregnant in the media and on tv and that we see are this like skinny person with a cute bump and that's it. That's their pregnancy, right? So everybody has this I- idealized idea of what a what a beautiful, healthy pregnancy looks like. And when you don't fit into that box, you you feel like an outcast or like you're not getting treated the same way other people do. So one of the big things we talk about with people who um, are feeling this way or, or feeling, you know, ha- are having self-image um, discussions with themselves is just that pregnancy is a really amazing time to start really like liking your body again Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, because so many of us grow up um, not liking our body like the no or overweight or any of those things so um, pregnancy is this time where like now you're nurturing someone else so all these like yo-yo dieting and eating like starving yourself to look a certain way and all of that kind of goes out the window because you're taking care of yourself and your child. So it's a great time to really start eating high dense foods and going for walks and, and, and people will start to find that they like their body again. And when they give birth, they're like, look what my body did or just growing the baby. Like what an, what an amazing thing to have done. So it's a good way to look at your body in a different way, other than just looking at your body as being fat or thin, which we've all brought, been brought up to do. Yeah seeing the flaws instead of seeing the gift that your body made another person. <laughs> right. And that it's confidence going in that you can build throughout your pregnancy in body and your body's ability to do that then translates into the birth and allows it to be that much more of an empowering, transforming experience rather than, you know, necessarily a train wreck or something that could, you know, come out with trauma. And we don't want that mm-hmm. for mama or baby. Um, but just knowing like how, what a miracle it is that your body can grow a baby and birth it into the world is, you know, something that every mama should just really be celebrating every day. Yeah, no, it's true. And, and for people in the community, whether they're practitioners working with the pregnant women or, you know, if, if these are, if you're listening and you have a plus size pregnant friend, um, really changing the language about, um, the, like her ability that her body hasn't been like failing her because, a lot of the language that is used in medicine is like your body's too fill in the blank of something you don't want it to be too or not enough <laughs> fill in the blank of something you would like it to have more. Um, so particularly around strength, like we hear from our plus size clients all the time that um, they're told they're not going to be strong enough to push out their babies. 
Um, so like there's this, this constant messaging that like their body's not like what it should be. Um, whether it's, you know, beautiful and skinny, like it should be, or your bump doesn't look like the bump or your pregnancy looks invisible, invisible because you're overweight. Um, so really making sure that, that if you, if it's you, that you ask for this in your community, if you're the expecting plus size mom, or if you're around a plus size expecting mom, that you really like stroke, like that she's like amazing and strong and that she's growing a person and, and, you know, like really wonderful eating like a really healthy nutrient dense like sweet potato fries or something I don't know like you know all those little things that are going to be just little changes that help you have a healthier pregnancy um going for walks a couple days a week like Mm -hmm. all of that stuff is going to be a big deal to somebody who has been really fighting against their own body their whole lives right I mean there's so many uh, the the issues we're talking about today, like really are the same issues that almost every woman deals with. Um, but yeah. obviously with your birth care or your birth provider and the, the self image as far as like friends and family, like everything's amped up even more. Right. So every woman going into the pregnancy wants to do better. They think about before they found out they're pregnant, like, Oh no, like Halloween came through or new year's Eve or whatever it is. Right. Um, every yeah. woman goes through that. <laughs> Um, but I think the more and more support that our plus size moms can have around, you can have an awesome pregnancy. You, you can be healthy. Baby's going to be amazing on the other end of it. You're going to be able to recover really well on the other side postpartum. Um, should be amped up as, as well, right, to match that extra energy that's coming their way, especially in the birth provider. I'm so glad that you talked about um, those different issues with the, the BMI scale and gestational diabetes as well as I mean that's something I hadn't heard that could come from a birth provider about like you're not going to be strong enough uh, to do the birth that's a that's an interesting concept that um, every woman should know going in might be they might have to feel that mm-hmm. so how can people get in touch with you and um, learn more about one this topic on your um, site but then also your other programs yeah, so we our website's www.babomia.com. Um, that's our main site where you can learn a little bit more about us. And we dive into the topic of diverse bodies and body positivity in pregnancy and the postpartum period. Um, we talk a lot about it in our maternal support practitioner training. So that's um, it's our fancy word for doula. <laughs> um, <laughs> but our doula training, and uh, that goes... Um, our, our fall session starts in September, which is really exciting. So registration is open as of this month. Um, so they can find out more there, um, as well as all of our other programs are listed on the site. If um, they're interested in the business community or our Facebook community also has a lot of activity happening on that. It's free as well to join. Great. Well, I'll make sure the all of those links are in the show notes and on the, the web page that we'll create um, for the um, for this episode as well, so people can click right into it. Um, with with the last minutes that we have, like, what's a, a major take home message you'd like um, mamas listening to this or anyone listening to it, whether even if they're a provider, um, either about what we talked about today or some other message you'd like to share? 
Well, we have our favorite message. I'll let Natasha take it away because it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's our it's, mantra. It's very, I'm very passionate about this. This message is that for, for mothers out there or the, the main care provider for their children is, is you, you don't have to do this alone. Like this is not meant to be something that you're doing alone. And babies are very adaptable and they, they like to attach to more than one care provider. So allow that to happen. So all the pressure of like all the bedtimes, all the feeds, all of the playtime, all of that stuff not doesn't rely solely on you because it's entirely too much for one person to take on. So right from the beginning, you know, get people around you, gather people around you to help you with this and make sure the baby knows more than more than one person that can feed them and put them to bed and all of that. So you're not all alone. Very nice. And what about for a baby that's listening, uh, either in utero, they're not yet here in the world, or maybe listening to mama um, on their chest? What little message would you like to whisper into their little ear? Um, let your parents sleep. <laughs> <laughs> listen, sleep. baby, listen. listen baby. <laughs> I love that. Well, Bianca, oh. Natasha, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate, one, you sharing the um the information that you did today, but then all that you're doing in the community and the online community now um, to help spread this message. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, thank you. Hi, it's Dr. J again, and I want to thank you so much for listening to the podcast. It's something I really enjoy doing, and I, as a parent, learn a ton from these experts coming on and sharing their wisdom, so I hope you're getting a lot out of it, too. And I want to share something else with you. I've created a guide called The 40 Ways to Connect with Your Baby During Pregnancy. It's full of simple things you can do on a day-to-day basis that will help strengthen that bond that you have with your baby. It's a free download. You can go to my website at drjwarren.com slash 40 ways and just enter your email. I'll send it right to you. You can download it and start working on it right away. All of the research that I'm learning in the fields of epigenetics and attachment parenting is showing that the more bonded you are during your pregnancy with your baby, the better the birth is going to go and the better parenting is going to go because you have that strong foundation, a strong connection to build upon. So go again to my website. It's drjwarren.com slash 40 ways and get that free guide. And again, thanks for listening.